the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Talking with CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton can be found at chadburton.com. That's B-U-R-T-O-N.com. No relationship with the border. But he does like to get out and have some shredding time of his own. Speaking about shredding, I think one of the (laughs) best, most radical products on Wall Street is the 401k. It's the easiest way for people to invest, in my opinion, because it's turnkey. It's offered at your corporation, usually, not always, but usually. Um, let's let's continue talking about 401ks, Chad. It's it's a weird thing because it's like a line of the tax code where 401k comes from. It doesn't mean really mean anything. We call it the retirement planner. Or you know what they call it in New Zealand? They call it the Kiwi Savers plan. Yeah, Canada, there's like an RSP plan. So okay. you know, different countries have different terms for it, for sure. I like the Kiwis. I just, I don't know. I'm not moving to New Zealand anytime soon, but they're a I fun country. Want. I know you want it. So, because you want Speaking to- of snowboarding, my, my bucket list trip is heliskiing in August in New Zealand. And you can go visit the set of The Hobbit <laughs> <laughs> in your actual size. I'd fit right in. I'd fit right in. <laughs> Chad's perfect height. I'm teasing. Um, let's continue <laughs> talking about the 401k. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, the one thing, is is that after you retire, you you want to you want to roll it over, and you know we were talking before about you know when we were acquired by EP Wealth, so New Focus Financial that we started in 2004, acquired by EP Wealth January of 2021, we had to go through this whole process of closing down the New Focus 401k so everybody could roll it into either their EP 401k or, or an IRA. And that was a long process to get that all done and straightened out and final testing and everything else. We went through a blackout period and 401ks do this. So if you have a large company that changes providers, you could go through a blackout period. You're retired, your 401k sitting there. And let's say you're at Cisco and Cisco decides to change 401k providers. Then there could be a period of time where you might not be able to access your money. Can I tell you my story? Yeah. Um, okay. So we're at EP. And they said transfer. And I think uh, our office manager was in charge of putting together the paperwork. Everyone got transferred and I didn't. So I waited about a month. I'm like, why is my account not hitting? Why is my account not hitting? So I got in touch with the account manager and she goes, oh, there's something that was mislabeled. Another month goes wrong and they sent a check to Fidelity and they didn't have the right title on it. So Fidelity didn't cash the check. They sent it back to TD Ameritrade. So I was out of the market for two and a half months waiting for it to transfer and I missed well, two and a half months of the up market and I had to pay an overnight fee and I had to get on the phone for 45 minutes. And you know what uh, phone calls are like now on when you're trying to get help? It's like, is it okay if I ask you a couple of security questions? And you're like, yes, like, I've already done this three levels ago. After anyway. you've yelled and hit zero pound five times. <laughs> so what you're talking uh, about is right up my alley. That hit me yep. hard. Yeah. Cause I mean, so the only time it's really worth leaving the money on the 401k after you retire is if you retire and separate from service after the age of 55, you can actually access your 401k before 59 and a half. 
Uh-huh. And so if you've you know been lucky enough to save enough to be able to retire that early, then you might leave it there until you're 59 and a half and then you roll it. But after you retire, you, gotta, you should roll it over. You have the same or better investment options. If you work for a company that gave you company stock inside the 401k plan, there's a little trick called net unrealized appreciation, where when you roll that 401k over, you can separate out that company stock into a normal non-IRA account. You pay taxes on just the basis in that stock. And then when you sell stock as you go forward, you can qualify for capital gains, which for most people are at a much lower bracket. Um, so there's a lot of options with that. Um, I just mentioned the blackout periods, which I've seen happen over time. Uh, it's, it's just much easier to set up a withdrawal program out of an IRA than a 401k because you can alter your withholding much easier throughout the year. Um, and, and it's important when you retire, you go from having your taxes withheld from your paycheck to either you withhold them out of your IRA withdrawals or you make quarterly payments. So you ha- it's actually more work to manage your tax payments in retirement. It's um, a really good that- point to, to dwell on for a second because I got an email yeah. from yesterday. He goes, I've heard that 4 to 5% is the industry-wide recommended maximum sustainable withdrawal from a retirement account. Is that true? How not do you anymore. know this stuff? How do you know this stuff? As, <laughs> well, as an individual, not as a planner. You have the software. I know you know it. But how, yeah. how do we know it? Well, the, that, that's been around since the 90s. There was a uh, you know, whole Nobel Prize one on that whole withdrawal theory. That if you take a balanced portfolio of 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and you start at age 65 by withdrawing 4% of the portfolio, and you increase it each year with inflation, that you should have enough money to last through your normal life expectancy. That is no longer the case, Rob. And it's not because of stocks. I still believe 100% that over 20, 30-year period, stocks average 10, 11% like they always have. Mm-hmm. but bonds are not going to average what they've averaged in the past for the next five years, at least we went from, you know, I mean, our 10 year treasury on bonds is paying a third of what it was prior to the great recession. So that 40% portfolio of bonds is paying a third less income than before. And if rates rise, there's not going to be price appreciation. We've seen a weird year, a weird period of time over the last five years where stocks and bonds both went up in value at the same time. And so if you're at 65, you should say, you know what, I, can I, with my social security and other sources of income, rental properties, whatever, 65, a safer withdrawal rate now until interest rates go back to normal where you can get paid on CDs and bonds it's really more like three, three and a half percent. That's the safer rate, especially since we might go through a time of higher inflation, which I believe we will, because not all of this is transitory right now, in my opinion. There is, there is a huge push on wage inflation right now. Ask any business owner. Everybody's demanding higher wages. That's going to re- result in higher prices. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it in my life on a regular basis. Wage inflation, Chad, food inflation, energy inflation. I, I agree. It's not completely transitory. And yet I have questions like how long is it going to last? And mm-hmm. speaking of timeframes, like you talked about bonds, not being investable for a while. It, it, it goes like five, 10 years. And suddenly like, that's a third of your investment career where they weren't investable. Um, so we only have a, a period of time, like 20, 30, 40 years, whatever your horizon is for saving. And then 20, 30, 40 years for withdrawing. Um, people should be very cognizant and, and thoughtful on these issues like you are. 
Well, yeah. So a lot of people are, are, are becoming more aggressive in their portfolios. When I got into the business, you know, 28 years ago, it was 40% stock, 60% bonds. And that's mm-hmm. flipped. It's more like 65, 35%, no, 65% stocks, which is fine. But you have to manage the portfolio. You got to do more replenishing of your cash. You got to have that safe money, which is three years worth of portfolio draws that I always talk about. You just got to keep a little bit more of an eye on it and realize there will be more volatility in a retirement portfolio today because of the higher allocation to stocks. And that's fine. You just have to be educated on what stocks do. And as long as you don't panic sell, you're going to be fine. You do portfolio reviews starting at the 401k or when you do reviews of people's accounts, do you start with their social security? Like what, what's the number one thing you start looking at? We've got 30 seconds. Uh, tax return and expenses. That's how we start. Interesting. I, I really would have thought you would have said 401k. Yeah. Good answer. It's CFP Chad Burton. He does portfolio reviews. He is a financial planner. He is also the regional director for EP Wealth. You can find him at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. He's got a team of financial planners that he works with. He would love to help you with your wealth management. Find him at chadburton.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. 20 plus years ago, I found CFP Chad Burton, or CFP Chad Burton found me, and we found out that we had a quality that we really cared about financial education and financial literacy. And we didn't feel that we were done well by high school or college. I would say we were done poorly. The ability to talk about financial planning issues and getting retirement, I think is important because I saw my dad work till day he died. He never got to enjoy his kids. He never got to enjoy his wife after they had six kids together. Like he didn't get the golden years. He didn't get on golden pond with Henry Fonda. He didn't get the gold watch when he retired. He worked till the day he died essentially. So Chad, part of getting to retirement and your regional director, certified financial planner with EP Wealth, part of getting to retirement and your retirement expert is, is taxes. Now taxes stink. We don't like them. We don't like, it's, it's, the government doesn't spend our money well. And we, we boo the IRS on one of the episodes of The Simpsons. Uh, Lisa won a spelling bee in Washington, D.C. And as they drove by the IRS, Homer goes, boo. Um, <laughs> But that's the culture, right? Uh, what do you think of when I say the word taxes? Uh, well, it depends on who you're planning for. So okay. if you're planning for people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, first part of 60s, you're always saying, okay, how can I pay the least amount of taxes this year? What can I do to reduce my tax bill? The whole idea completely flips at retirement because in retirement, you no longer have this paycheck coming in. You have to look out and do projections for you know, 35 plus years. You have accounts that are taxed differently, like IRAs and 401ks, 100% taxable. Roth's tax-free. Then you've got your brokerage accounts, which is, you know, let's say you have a, a normal taxable account in your name only, joint with your spouse or, or in a trust, that even if you don't take money out, it's kicking off dividends, interest, and, and capital gains. And when you sell, you pay capital gains. U.S. dividends are taxed as capital gains. And 
So you have to look out and say, okay, it's not about the least amount of taxes this year, because that can really screw you up in retirement. It's about how do I keep my taxes, you know, smooth them out over time, lower for longer. Because what happens is at age 72, you have to take money out of your IRAs and 401ks and 403bs. It's called required minimum distribution. And if you don't do anything from the date of retirement to 72, all of a sudden your tax bracket blows up. And you've also then sold off all of your really tax efficient assets. And all you have left is an account that anytime you take it out, it's going to be taxable. So you need to put, you know, uh, you need to remodel your home, 50 grand. Well, you're probably pulling out about 80 grand paying taxes on it. So you have $50,000 left to pay the contractor. So it's, it's a different mindset of taxes in retirement. And if I have a list of expenses that people have and portfolio mm-hmm. statements where I can see the cost basis on non-retirement accounts um, and a tax return, I mean, we can put together the puzzle with those three things. You know, what's interesting that you just said was I moved this year and because I moved the projects on the new home have been expensive and they've been bigger checks than I've ever written in my life. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I'm glad I'm doing them, you know, now in the non-tax thinking kind of way of pulling out from a 401k for a big project. And I, I wouldn't even want to see that tax bill in theory, but um, everyone at the end of the year, there's always a list of top 10 things to do at the end of the year for your taxes. It's, it's at the end of the year, at the end of the year, do you buy into, you should be doing tax planning at the end of the year? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we have a full tax team is because most of the tax planning needs to be done before year end. Because if you go to a tax preparer, all they do is they say, well, you should have, you should have did this, or you should have done that. Um, and here's what you owe. So most of the stuff that you're going to do to reduce taxes or make the right moves is done in, you know, November, December of every year. And then that's also a checkup on what is your tax situation? How has it changed? If you had a bunch of stock options that vested, you sold a property, a real estate, a business, um, you know, maybe you need to make an extra estimated tax payment in January by January 15th, when you're you know, fourth quarter estimated taxes are due. You also need to check your pay stub. How much has been withheld? Have you hit the maximum contribution on your 401k? Um, you know, so yeah, what, what can you do before the end of the year? If you're retired, should you do a little bit of an IRA to Roth conversion? This is what we do a lot of times all through November is do you, does there, does a retired person have any room left at the existing tax bracket that they're always going to be in? For example, if they can pull another $10,000 out of their IRA and not exceed the 22% bracket that they're always going to be in federally, well, they don't need the money. So why not take it out of the IRA, move it to the Roth, pay some taxes now so that it starts growing tax-free for the rest of their lives. And then when their kids inherit it, they can have it grow tax-free for another 10 years and have a nice big pool of money. Interesting stuff. Um, do you feel that the average person can handle taxes? Because I don't feel I've got a good grip on the tax code. And when I add in a spouse and I add in children's deductions and I add in private education versus public schools, it feels overwhelming to me. You get to a certain point where, you know, people, I still have clients that do some, you know, turbo tax stuff on their own, but I also see mistakes. Like I saw, um, uh, one situation where the last year when some losses were harvested, where the realized losses weren't downloaded to the tax return 
And so capital gains were reported by almost $40,000 and they didn't really notice it. And so they had to refile and it saved them, you know, 23% federal, 23.8% federal and 10.3% state on refiling that amount on 40 grand. So it's fine. But once you have wealth and you have ESPP programs and stock options at work, especially if you have incentive stock options, non-qualified stock options, there is no reason to do your tax return on your own anymore. It gets too complicated. You can't do planning and scenarios. Um, and it's easier to make mistakes and it's just not worth it, especially if you get audited. One of the jobs of a CPA when you are audited is to, they stand by their work and they discuss the situation with the IRS and defend you. Um, that's why I still, even though I can do taxes, I still have a CPA. I let them do it. I kind of realized I was an adult, Chad, when I bought real estate out of state and I was like, uh-oh, my taxes are too complicated for me. I don't know anything about North Carolina write-offs. Um, but I really knew I'd become wealthy, Chad, when my financial, uh, my CPA said, yeah, we're just, don't do anything with your deputy. We're just going to do quarterly payments. I'm like, are you kidding? That's cool. Like, I don't understand. Taxes are complicated for me. They're, they're a little bit much. And it, it, it did, it, like you said, there comes a time when you should pay someone. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm opposite. I hate quarterly payments. Okay. Yeah, I, because, you know, if I like to you know, travel on a whim or whatever, and if it's, if it's due, I do this for retired clients all the time. If it's due, it can be a real pain in the butt. It's so funny because I see a lot of times people just get their tax return. The tax return has quarterly payment recommendations and they don't make it. <laughs> and they, they pay it anyways with a penalty at the end of the year. So um, once a person is retired and they start drawing money out of their IRAs and 401ks, I try to make withholding enough so that they don't have to pay quarterly taxes because that can be really annoying. Okay. What else do we need to know about tax planning, especially at the end of the year? Um, but again, it should be something you talk with your accountant. You should have a good relationship with your accountant. It's a fair thing to say. Yeah, definitely. Because the, the, towards the end of the year, it's things like you know Roth conversions, like I talked about. Have you withheld enough? Do you need to make an extra quarterly payment? When you look at your taxable portfolios, do you have anything that is showing a loss on paper? Um, you know, sell it, buy something similar or, or stay out of it for 31 days and then have that loss. And even if you don't have any capital gains, you can carry that loss forward indefinitely. And that's really important if you have a capital gain from selling real estate or a business or something else. If you have a capital loss on a stock that you can take, it'll offset those assets as well. Not a lot to harvest this year though, Rob. I mean, market's been, you know, positive. Almost every asset class has increased except U.S. bonds. That's, I'm trying to figure something out to say that. And I think the only smirky, snarky thing I can say is it's been a pretty good run Wall Street's had as far as bull market goes. And you shouldn't have a lot of harvest losses, but if you do, maybe that's also a signal to people they're doing something wrong. Yeah, I think a lot of people that got pulled into SPACs and other things are starting to be kind of a... Um, the speculation bubble is starting to kind of not burst, but it's starting to fail a bit. Maybe we should use the word froth because I think that's more appropriate of um, the SPAC culture. What is your thoughts on SPACs versus IPOs? SPACs are basically private check companies that you don't know what you're investing in. They're going to buy something. They're going to buy something. And, ooh, I own a, a global orbiter. Um, or, ooh, I got a fintech with a SPAC. 
What are your thoughts on SPACs? Because they are pretty big headlines and yet they are pretty much so massively underperforming in post-market life. Yeah, well, they just kind of played on this speculation. It's like you've got a whole group of people that have bypassed the idea of building a financial base with good dividend paying stocks that are reinvesting or just index funds that are reinvesting dividends. And they've gone straight to speculation because of the FOMO, the fear of missing out, or they missed the run up. So they got to take a lot of risk and catch up. And it just, you know, we go through that about every 10, 12 years and then it doesn't tend to end well. But with that said, it's, it's only a small part of the market. Most of the market is fairly fully valued and still attractive with these low interest rates. So don't get me wrong. It's just pockets. It's not 1999. It's just pockets of 1999, if that makes sense. And what I like about it is when there's froths, people lose some money and that's fine. They tend to stay in the game and they just tend to get better at it. So I don't mind a little speculation ending badly for people as long as they stay in the game and get tighter with their decisions. Speaking of tight with decisions, you can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. He's got a lot of great downloadables. He does portfolio reviews. You can find him at chadburton.com. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. We talk a lot about important issues on this podcast, broadcast, narrowcast, whatever you want to call it. I call it a narrow cast because we're speaking essentially to people with wealth or how to create wealth. And you may be in the mood to watch an Avengers movie this weekend. Chad, um, I think for me, financial planning was about basically finding a love of my life and spending it with her in a quality way. Um, My mother basically found the love of her life and followed him around in his career as the military took him all over foreign countries and the world. So she got to see it. But when he died, he died 20 plus years ago. He died as the financial leader of our family. Um, He didn't literally, this is so bad, Chad. Tell me if you ever seen anything so messed up. When it came time to do taxes, he basically put a piece of paper over all of the information except for her to sign here. So he hid the information from her. My dad, I thought, had another wife. I thought he had another family. I didn't know what was going on with his taxes, nor did she. What's that like for you? Because as a financial planner, you have relationships with people. When the head of a family kind of passes or the financial leader of family passes, and suddenly people are left trying to figure out, you know, what's the right path. Well, yeah, gosh, about two months ago, I actually had a meeting with a couple that um, they, the the husband... Um, was actually in the business. So they, he still handles all of the finances, but he's having okay. some health issues. So he wanted to introduce to the you know company that she should go to if anything happens to him. Awesome. Um, I so, love the way you're saying that. Yeah. Cause we've talked about that on the air before. It's like, you've got to, if, you know, part of being the one that handles the finances is to tell the other one, you know, at least have a quarterly meeting to say, this is what we have. This is what you do. Here's how you pay the bills, those types of things. Um, yep. Because especially if you, you know, go back to the boomer generation and older, that is very typical that one person handles it. Um, the younger the people are, you see even more situations where it's they separate finances and bills even while they're married. So kind of all over the board. But we, it, it's such an issue when either a parent passes away or a spouse passes away that we have a checklist that we can give people on here's some things to do. What are some things they should do? Well, the first thing that happens, um, 
is a lot of times the uh, funeral home will help deal with this, but make sure you get at least 10 more certified death copies than you think you need because you, you might not be aware of some of the assets that were held or st- stock certificates and things like that. Um, so you got to find out if they're receiving social security because when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse keeps the larger of the two checks. So social security needs to be notified right away. Um, if they have a pension, they need to be notified right away. And you know, hopefully payments don't stop or aren't reduced, but that could let be me the case. St- let me stop and thank you real quick. Cause I just realized something. I thought this segment was going to be about my mom and dad. And then I just realized it's about me. I don't know if you remember about 14 years ago, I introduced you to my spouse and her husband had passed away. He was the financial leader. They'd come to one of our seminars. They liked you. They liked me. They trusted us. And she approached me with like, um, with a lot of questions. like, you need to talk to Chad. And I don't know if you remember this, but you found her money that Apple, he worked at Apple and you're like, oh, by the way, they have a death benefit you forgot about. And it was sizable or $500,000 death benefit. Do you remember that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. But it's been a while, but. You did yeah. financial planning for my spouse as a freebie before she was my spouse. <laughs> I closed the deal for you. Is that what you're saying? I, th- um, I don't want to <laughs> say it quite like that. This is a Christian radio <laughs> station network. Um, yeah, yeah. You helped for sure. Yeah. That's funny to think about. I didn't even, I didn't realize we were talking about me. A little bit. Yeah. And what's, what's also interesting too, is that, you know, a married couple in a state like California or Washington, a community property state, you have to reappraise everything because everything gets a step up in basis when the first person passes away. So that often requires a home appraisal, rental property appraisals. It's pretty easy to do it on a, on a stock account, you know, on your taxable account, you just call up Schwab, Fidelity, TD, wherever your assets are, and give them a death certificate and they'll step up the cost basis. Um, so, you know, hopefully your wife did that when her, when her former husband passed and all those Apple shares should have received a step up in basis. And sometimes that gets missed. Um, so, and then there's a final tax return. If it's a larger state and you want to port over the lifetime exemption, estate tax credit of the person that passed, you still have to file a 706 estate tax return. It, it can be daunting. And there's besides social security and pensions that need to be notified right away. Usually you need to take a, you know, some time to mourn and, and get your things together. And it's just gathering assets, insurance assets. I, w- I will say this, the biggest pain that I deal with Rob, when mm. people pass away is people that have individual stock certificates sitting in, you know, in a drawer or safe, really? or if they have stocks that are held at like bank of New York Mellon or computer share, please, everybody that has that stuff, get it into a normal brokerage account at Schwab or Fidelity or TD. Those are a nightmare situation when people pass away. Uh, I just, I hate those things. It's the worst thing to deal with. It's the longest, most painful process. Um, Is it just on hold with operators? What's the problem? It's on hold with operators. It requires signature guarantees, which nobody does anymore, especially with COVID. (laughs) It's like, you can't, you can't get the paperwork done very effectively. and it's harder to get the records on cost basis and other things like that. So get them into a normal brokerage account if you care about your heirs. That's all I'm going to say. Do you ever see stock certificates still? Um, like, for instance, when we got in the industry, some people would be like, buy one share of Disney and get the stock certificate and frame it for your child. There was kind of a side business of stock certificates and how they were kind of like 
cool looking items mm-hmm. framed on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see them anymore. Do you? Not hardly. No, most of the time they're in, they're, they're not in certificate form anymore, but they're still those annoying computer share bank, in New York Mellon and all those other places that, that act as the agent, but they're not full brokerage accounts. It's, yeah. Do you know, can we call our broker and say, I, I own shares of Tesla. I want a copy of them. Can we transfer from like a electric form to a, a paper form? It's or called that... Street form, I think is the yeah. term. Probably. I think you can, but um, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> well said. You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. He has the best financial planning podcast in the business. Look for it under new focus on wealth with Chad Burton on your podcast, on your phone. Find him at chadburton.com. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. RobBlackShow.com. RobBlackShow.com. Damned if I do, damned if I don't. 2021, I raised some cash, sold some real estate, bought some real estate, had a little left over, didn't get it invested. Markets hit record highs, market hit records high, markets hit records highs, and it freaks me out. I'm like, I've got cash that I want to invest. On one hand, 98% of my wealth is invested in either stocks or real estate, but there's a lot of cash there too. And I'm like, ah, I'm missing a major market move. Major markets hit major highs again today. Stronger than expected October employment report. Pfizer announced positive data for its COVID-19 oral antiviral joining Merck. We are getting a bevy of vaccinations and a bevy, a slew, a veritable slew, if you will, of medicines you can take if you get positive and don't want to stay out of the hospital. Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking at you. Um, literally a month ago, two months ago, Aaron Rodgers get COVID. He had to sit there and cross his fingers. Now he's like, give me that Merck pill. Give me that Pfizer pill. I'll be back better than ever. That's a weird story. Just a weird, the NFL is just a corrupt, evil empire where they tell the players they have to get vaccinated and a star player is clearly not vaccinated. He uses the word immunized, which is a little bit, how shall we say, an error of omission. Maybe he took ivermectin or something that he thinks stopped it. And then he still gets it. He wasn't immunized. He wasn't vaccinated. Just a weird story. And again, it's the whole Ray Rice cover up things that the NFL does that it just makes it feel like we should take away their their antitrust exemption like we should teach those billionaires like be a little bit more transparent please I know you're saying man Rob's got some issues today yeah, I'm a little fired up a little fired up um, pleasing earning news is how briefing.com revealed the earnings season pleasing earnings news what else is out there? Pfizer news aside, um, encouraging earnings reports out of Airbnb, Expedia, and Uber. I don't say this often. I think Airbnb is very, very intriguing as an investment idea. Expedia and Uber I get, but I, I want to drop them because I don't find them as intriguing. 
Airbnb for millennials means hotel. It means bigger hotel. Mom and dad got hotels. Mom and dad put us and the kids in a small, you know, two queens kind of hotel living condition. They didn't have bathrooms. We didn't have any space to, to stretch out. They didn't have stoves. In a lot of luxury markets, Airbnbs go for the same nightly rate as hotels. And have you seen a lot of commercials for Hilton? Yes. Have you seen a lot of commercials for Marriott? Yes. Do you get phone calls for Hilton and Marriott of free reward vacations? Thank you for being a loyal member. You're like, I'm not a member. Airbnb does none of that shenanigans. So they don't have a lot of marketing costs. I find it to be a very interesting idea as far as investments go for the long-term patient investor. Not telling you what to do. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. Um, the jobs numbers this morning was fantastic, and I can go into it with you, but I won't. Um, into a lot of detail. I can tell you the bottom lines. I can give you the bullet points. Average hourly earnings increased 4.9% year over year. That's good news for employees. It's good news for our economy because employees live paycheck to paycheck and paycheck to paychecks go into our economy. Very supportive for consumer spending is what I got out of the numbers today. The employment report is broad-based pickup and hiring for sure. It's being interpreted as a byproduct of the dissipating Delta issues, but also of the cutting the stimulus for people who aren't working. Now they are running out of money and saying, whoops, I got to go back to work. Um, employers are seeing a favorable demand backdrop. Employees are getting wage inflation, which again, long-term, you don't want to see that high of a number, 4.9%. But in the backdrop of higher food prices, higher uh, rental mortgages, higher inflation across the board on energy, car prices, there's no more discounts, which discounts were a big part of it. It's, now, they may not be going for um, X plus 10%, but they're not going for X minus 10%. Cars aren't. So the numbers were good. Very Goldilocksian. I was prepared to see a market panic this week with the Federal Reserve on Wednesday, basically leaving interest rates where they are for the foreseeable future, but cutting down the bond purchasing. Good. I thought that could go bad. It did not. Thursday with OPEC, they said we are not going to increase production. I thought that could go bad. It did not. And Friday, we get the jobs report where that was the one I didn't think was going to go bad. And it did not go bad. Um, the markets are reacting in a very normalized manner, if that's a phrase that pays for you. We're seeing all three markets up today, starting on the lower left and climbing up to the upper right of a corner. So they're trending higher. They're kind of climbing up the stairs, so to speak. Um, it's not massive, like up 600 points, but I'd rather slow and steady myself. Crude oil sits under $80 a barrel. That's big with that Saudi story from Thursday. Taking a look at the 10-year treasury, it's at 1.49%. Any number under 1.6% seems to drive the markets higher right now. When it gets above 1.6, the markets get a little bit skittish, but 
That's not the case today. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.